Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1274 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on July 4th. Happy Independence Day to all listening to the podcast. And today's show is a crossover edition with myself and Matt George of the Locked on Kings podcast. Matt is taking the reins for the most part. We'll be, we'll be discussing, as you might expect, the Kevin Herter trade with Sacramento, breaking down what they're getting in Kevin Herter, what the Hawks might, might be getting back in Justin Holiday, Mo Harkless, and a potential, of course, for that first-round pick in the future. We'll cover all the angles of that. And uh, please stay tuned. Please subscribe to this podcast, Locked on Kings, etc., and after the intro, we'll be back with myself and Matt George on the Kevin Herter trade. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. It has been a busy offseason to say the absolute least for both the Sacramento Kings and the Atlanta Hawks who are once again trade partners. It seems like the Kings and the Hawks always find ways to work out deals together. I'm Matt George, host of the Locked on Kings podcast, joined by Brad Rowland, host of the Locked on Hawks podcast. And Brad, here we are again. Can't tell you how many times we've done crossover episodes talking about hypothetical trades, especially conversations about John Collins. And it sounded like the Kings and the Hawks, there's a very good chance for a trade to go down involving John Collins, but there was a trade. John was not involved. Instead, Kevin Herter comes to Sacramento. Uh, the Hawks get a couple of pieces plus a first round pick. Were you as surprised as I was to see that notification from Woj and not see John Collins involved in that deal? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think that uh, if, we, if, the, if the odds were out there that you and I'd be talking about a trade that actually happened, it would have involved John more often than not, I think. Um, but also, the deal that actually happened, as we'll sort of get into, didn't shock me necessarily. Is one of those constructions where, I know you and I talked about this either online or offline, about you know Justin Holland making some sense for the Hawks. Is this kind of plug-and-play piece? And Herter was very available because of the Jonte Murray trade and the Hawks having so much at the two. So, yeah, I mean, taking a step back, it's not it's not shocking, but certainly I would have bet on uh, a Kings trade in a vacuum involving John Collins. My timeline for this entire thing was really interesting, Brad, because we found out the Sacramento Kings weren't offering the qualifying offer to Dante DiVincenzo, which I was not a fan of. I was like, well, I just it didn't make any sense to me, especially they pursued DiVincenzo in two separate trades, finally got him uh, on the second one. I thought for sure. DiVincenzo is going to stick around. So I'm disappointed by that. Then the news comes out of the Hawks trading for DeJounte Murray. And I believe, okay, now Kevin Herter is available. Maybe the Sacramento Kings are now trying to do some kind of package deal involving both Collins and Herter. Then they end up just getting Herter, who's arguably more needed out of the two of them. It's crazy the series of events uh, that leads up to trades like this during the offseason because one move from any team in the league can just change the trajectory of, of potential negotiations. Yeah, it really can. And even, even beyond that, like, you know, the Kings getting Keegan Murray might've closed the door, at least some on John Collins too. That was part mm -hmm. of this. I mean, they still have Harrison Barnes on the roster. I think he probably would have had to come to the Hawks in any kind of deal with, for Collins or yeah, there's all these moving pieces and the same thing for the Hawks. Like I think Herter was already going to be available on some level because most guys on this roster were available coming into the off season. But you go get Murray, who is going to play some point guard as well, but he's going to he's going to start at the two. And that was the logical thing. And Bogdanovich is still on this roster for the Hawks, a guy that the Kings I know we're familiar with uh, very closely. But, uh, you know, they had to kind of they didn't necessarily have to move one of Herder or Bogdanovich. 
But having those guys both off the bench behind Murray, it's just a curious allocation of resources to have all that kind of firepower at the same position, even if they can kind of play both wing spots. So certainly an interesting setup for this deal. And uh, I think at the end of the day, not a shocking result, but still one that was took some uh, took some stuff along the way to happen. How do you assess the value of what both sides got? Because the Sacramento Kings, I'm happy with the haul that the Kings were willing to give up in order to acquire Herder. I think it's a, a, a solid trade for Sacramento's perspective. But from the Atlanta perspective, to get Justin Holiday, who is a role player, Mo Harkless, who can be a role player. And I actually like some of the things that Mo Harkless did for the Kings over the last couple of seasons. And then the big thing was the the protected 2024 first round pick. Do you think that was a appropriate haul for Kevin Herter? You think the Hawks maybe could have gotten a little bit more? Maybe the Kings overpaid? How do you How do you assess that? Yeah, I don't necessarily love this deal in a vacuum for the Hawks. Yeah. Um, not necessarily because of anything that they're getting back. Because honestly, I'm probably higher on Justin Holiday than most people are. I've always liked Justin. You know, he was. I know Hawks fans remember him not being very good the first time around in Atlanta, but he's a different guy now. He's he's an established rotation player in the NBA. That's what he is. He's a two way guy, etc. Um, I think really a lot of this comes down to what you care about from the Hawks side, and maybe for the Kings side as well, because the Kings you're you're, you're buying on a player that is young and under control for four years and helps you from a shooting perspective. There's lots of like the King side. And yeah, you give up, you give up, you give up a pick for sure. That pick is going to be an interesting part of this trade, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but it's for me, it's unavoidable on the Hawks side that they save money in this trade. And it does feel like that was at least part of the impetus, which you just can't love. If you're, if you're a Hawks fan, I know I'm probably a broken record for my listeners, but like you shouldn't care about Tony wrestlers wallet. It's just something that I, I just don't think you should care about, but in the reality standpoint of the Hawks potentially trying to avoid the luxury tax, this move does, does help them there. And for me, I, I do wonder, and honestly, I, I almost don't wonder, if this deal was value neutral money-wise, do the Hawks make it? I probably think they probably don't make it. Um, that's my guess. But at the end of the day, it's an appropriate value for Kevin Herter um, if, this is a big if, if that first-round pick is a first-round pick when it comes mm. If yeah, it's they're... not, if it's not a first round pick, this is not a good value trade for the Hawks. Does that mean that like it's a disaster? No, but really the, the pivot point for me, I, w- I wonder if you feel the same way to kind of put it back on you. Like if this, if, if this becomes two seconds, it's a lot better deal for the Kings. Obviously it's a lot worse deal for the Hawks. It's not all about that, but that's a huge, that's a huge value swing uh, depending on what happens in you know three or four years. No, I a hundred percent agree with you because I think the significance of the value that the Hawks got is this, this first round pick. And I personally had no issue with the Kings trading first rounders. I'm tired of first sure. round picks, meaning anything to Sacramento, but also <laughs> I understand that Sacramento Kings draft picks might mean more than most other teams draft picks because of their history of how many times that pick ends up being a lot pick that's why i was so surprised with how heavy the protections were on this pick i mean it's a it's lottery protected in 2024 the kings are hoping they will not be in the lottery at that point in time but they've been hoping that for 16 (laughs) years then it's top 12 protected in 2025 then it goes back down to top 10 protected in 2026 and then converts into two seconds i know the, what the Kings fans that I've talked to are, uh, if they're bothered by moving the trick, uh, the pick in this trade, it's not that they gave up a pick with heavy protections. It's the fact that until this pick conveys, the Kings can't really trade future first rounders until this, this pick ends up conveying, which could kind of handcuff the Sacramento Kings in the event that they wanted to make maybe at this upcoming trade deadline or next offseason, make another kind of big swing move. Let's say the Kings sneak into the playoffs and are now trying to add on to it by adding a big name to maybe replace Harrison Barnes, who's on the final year of his deal. 
unless this pick or all this pick wouldn't convey because it's 2024 they still have their 2023 pick it, it's it's tougher for them to to make a move without trading the pick so i was surprised brad with how significant the protections are there it felt like a really safe pick for the sacramento kings to give up because if herder and their plans right now don't work out by 2024 they're they're gonna be in the lottery yeah it's a really interesting construction because on the king side you know what you don't want to end up having having happen here is that you're trading a lottery pick for Kevin Herter necessarily. Because I think even as someone who's who's very high on Kevin Herter, giving up a lottery pick for Kevin Herter plus Holiday, who had some real value, not not a ton, but some value as on his, on his contract. Hark was probably not necessarily a huge plus value, but having that happen would not be the greatest result for the Kings. Now, if it's the if it's the tenth pick, not a disaster. If it's the fifth pick, that's obviously pretty bad value for Kevin right. Herter, even a guy I like a lot. So I kind of get it on the Kings side. The thing is, it kind of showed some urgency on the Hawks side because, you know, we can sort of get into it and I'll probably ask you later, like what the actual probability is of that of that pick converting. But like I said, if it's not a first round pick, people might forget about it, you know, four or five years. I mean, other than the, other than the diehards, I won't forget about it. You won't forget about it. But a lot, a lot of people might forget about it. the Hawks actually have some has some pretty recent um, constructions that are very similar to this. They traded Kyle Korver to Cleveland for a pick that um, evaporated into two seconds. They traded Dennis Schroeder to Oklahoma City and a pick that eventually evaporated into two seconds. And you can sell it as a first-round pick in the press release, and people don't remember that. And years later, people don't really care other than the diehards that it became two seconds. So, like, I don't know. It's one of those niche things that's easier to sell on the Hawks side than it maybe is on the King side. Um, but it really does. That really does kind of swing the value. It's really interesting to me that they did it that way because, yeah, it is heavily protected. And given – I'm not trying to pile on Kings, but it's like – if there's one franchise you can't be super, super confident is going to make the playoffs before 2026, it's the Kings, just based on the way. But, and again, a, a play in a berth in 2026 would do the trick because you, you know, pick 11, pick 12, pick 13 are all available, uh, pick 14 as well. But, uh, yeah, not exactly a slam dunk. It's not a pick that's definitely going to be, quote unquote, definitely going to be a first round pick. And that def- it sort of adds a layer of complexity to the entire thing. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and information this year. The NBA world's been chaos since even before the draft, quite honestly. Draft stuff, free agency stuff, and all the future stuff has all changed. Who are the favorites? You find out you find out all that stuff at Bet Online. And also follow all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's playoffs across all sports, but especially right now, baseball's heating up as we get going now every single day. Basically, there's a full slate of offerings at Bet Online. And they're the number one source for the wagering information that you're craving as well. That includes live betting, esports, they have poker, they have casino games, and much more. And it's the best spot for every kind of sport that you could possibly be trying to follow. They have, of course, in addition to basketball, baseball, football, the big ones like that, hockey. They also have soccer. They have cricket. They have everything you want. Table tennis, regular tennis, golf, auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, and much more. And you you can find it all in one place at Bet Online using a mobile device or your laptop slash computer to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. It almost feels like the Hawks are almost investing in the Kings in a way, right? Like they're, they're giving them the better player with the expectation, okay, you need to finally make the postseason, <laughs> and then we'll take yeah. your draft pick as as our collateral. We're helping you accomplish your goal, but even then, if it if it happens next season in twenty twenty three, which is the Kings' goal, that doesn't affect at all because no. it's not the twenty twenty three pick. So and that's one of the reasons why this is such a weird evaluation. Why I said the money thing earlier is because 
I think the Hawks have to realize that pick may never come. And they, they have to know that. I'm not saying it's going to never come, but that's it's on the table as a possibility. So they're making that deal knowing that is on that's on the table as a potential outcome. And they still did it, which means they either really like Justin Holiday or they really wanted to save money <laughs> or both maybe. But I don't, I'm not really sure which one it is, but uh, Holiday does fit with them, which, which I'm sure we'll get into. But it's it's a definitely a nuanced up and down conversation, which people don't necessarily care about. It's like, okay, Kevin Herter for a first, for a first round pick is kind of the deal from the casual fan side. And I get that that's appropriate value too. It makes you think about what other potential value is on the table for Kevin Herter, if that was the best deal or if that was what the Hawks thought made the most sense going forward. Maybe it wasn't the best short-term deal for them, but it had the chance to be the most lucrative with a first-round pick in the future, and they were willing to take that gamble. But I actually, I actually wanted to ask you specifically about Kevin Herter's role and position in your mind with the Sacramento Kings. I know he played a lot of time actually at the three in Atlanta, I look at him as the guy who more than likely will fill the starting two spot in Sacramento. However, before the Kings made this move for Herter, they signed Malik Monk in free agency, who's a former teammate of De'Aaron Fox at Kentucky. Many believe he has a very good chance to be the starting two guard. I understand that completely. I think there's going to be a major position battle in training camp between Malik Monk and Kevin Herter for that starting two spot. But there's others that look at Herter as a good backup three right now that almost serves as a little bit of collateral or almost serves as like a a safety net in the event that Harrison Barnes does walk at the end of the season. Or if you want to trade Barnes at the trade deadline, you have a starting three caliber uh, player in Kevin Herter waiting right behind. Where do you think, just based off your understanding of Kevin Herter, not so much the Sacramento Kings, how do you think the Kings should use him or optimize him the most? Is it as that kind of backup three role? Or is it as a starting two? Yeah, interesting. I think that Herter primarily is a two for me. I think that if you look up up and down his profile, he's played a lot more two than three in his career. He's got enough length to be a small forward in the NBA at six seven, uh, but he's he's pretty skinny. He's not the most physical guy in the world. He's gotten a little bit stronger as his career has gone on, but rebounding wise, he's definitely not good for a three. He's even pretty. He's probably below average for a two as a rebounder. Um, and then defensively, like yeah, I actually think that he's underrated defensively. I think there's this stigma out there in part because he's a skinny white guy who's a shooter probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things where I think Herter is an acceptable defender at this point. I think he's like kind of just okay. He's not great, but he has some strengths. And we Weaknesses, but at the three, he, he is a little bit slight of frame to be doing that on a full time basis. Um, I think you know a lot in a lot of schemes, the two and three are pretty much the same these kind of these days. But I think what you don't want to have him happen is like have him be the only guy who can cover a big physical three on the other team necessarily defensively. But I think he does have the size that you want as a playmaker. He's probably underrated too. He's a good passer, good ball mover, and obviously the shooting is his number one appeal. Uh, so yeah, I think it would make sense for me. Um, to either start him at the two or have him sort of as that functional, you know, third wing type that can do a lot of different things. That might be his best role. I think he's a starting caliber player, but on a lot of teams, he'd be better as a third wing who kind of do a little bit of both. Um, Him against Malik Monk is pretty interesting to me. I think that Herter's probably a better player, but it's one of those things where what do you want from that spot? Monk is more of that like heat up score where Herter is not the most aggressive guy all the time, but he's got a little bit more, more of a well-rounded game. He's a better defender than Monk is for instance, obviously more size. Um, So yeah, a pretty interesting sort of what you want kind of hypothetical for the, from the Kings. But if you don't start him at the two, I think he's, he'd be used to that as well. He's played come off the bench a lot in Atlanta. He ended up starting for most of last season because they kind of found out that Bogdanovich was better off the bench in some ways with their roster construction. But he's not a guy who's going to make gripe either. He's, if he gets there and he's, he's a third wing, he'll be comfortable with that. Great, great locker room guy, et cetera. So he's definitely a versatile piece, which is part of his appeal. I think it's his 
potential on the defensive end or his already being better than Malik Monk on the defensive end that might end up winning him that spot because both he and Malik Monk are around 40% three-point shooters. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Herter was close to a 42%. He was between 41 and 42% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter last season, which theoretically playing with both De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis a majority of his minutes, he's going to get a lot of catch-and-shoot, kick-out three opportunities. I mean, it's it's clear the Kings are prioritizing shooting. They've gone out in this offseason and gotten four, nearly 40% or over 40% three-point shooters to surround uh, their two stars who aren't necessarily known for their shooting. But also they brought in head coach Mike Brown because this team has been horrendous defensively for nearly two decades. And they recognize that as good as they, if they're a top 10 offense, but the 25th or 26th worst defense, they're still probably a team that finishes 15 games under (laughs) 500. So Kevin Herter might make more sense in Mike Brown's system as a starter because he might have to pick up a little bit of the slack of defending in the backcourt, which has never necessarily been a strength of De'Aaron Fox. I think De'Aaron is capable of playing good defense. He hasn't always wanted to, and I don't know Mike Brown is going to get a, be able to get De'Aaron to buy into that. I hope so. I think Malik Monk is also coming into Sacramento. I've read uh, that he wants to prove that he can be a better defender than he's shown in his career. So maybe it might end up being defense, between the two, Herder versus Monk in training camp, in addition to their shooting that we know they can both provide, that makes one rise above the other and earn that spot. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Herder is a quality defender, not going to change your life. I'm not going to tell you that he's going to be this you know, game-wrecking defender on the wing, but I think that um, he has a reputation that was probably unearned from when he was earlier in his career. Like, There's always been this, can he play with Trey Young? Can those guys play together because of the defense? Because clearly Trey's not very good defensively. That's not a secret. Um, and I always thought it was a little bit unfair to Kevin Herter. I think he's a pretty solid defender. He's pretty active too. He's pretty long. A good team defender too. Like knows how to knows how to play on the help side. All those all, all those things. And I think that also a little bit more size wouldn't be the worst thing in the world compared to Malik Monk. And I, honestly, in an archetypal way, I'm sure you discussed Malik Monk a lot on your show already. But he just feels like a third guard to me. Like he's the prototypical like sixth seventh man guard. Come in, come in, shoot a lot, make a lot, make a lot of threes. I'm not, and that's not a, that's not a criticism. That's that's a valuable piece. But I think that's that's what he is to me, especially next to a guy like De'Aaron Fox. You're pretty small if you're playing Malik Monk next to him. All that stuff. I'm sure I'll, I'll let you handle most of the King stuff on Malik Monk. But it is one of those things where it does feel like a more natural fit to go ahead and start Kevin Herter because he he's just so well rounded. He does so many things well without taking too much off the table. Because really, weakness wise, there isn't much there. Like maybe rebounding, maybe maybe defending against bigger guys. But Herter just kind of checks a lot of different boxes, and he's not like elite at anything other than shooting but he really does kind of give you a lot of little things that can plug in in between guys who are high usage like fox like Sabonis. i'm curious what are your thoughts or questions or expectations even for both justin holiday and mo harkless who went to atlanta in this dr are you looking at them both as and are the hawks because they're trying to win right now they're not rebuilding are the hawks looking at both of them as potential contributors just justin holiday not so much mo harkless he was just money uh added in on the deal because i think both of them can help in their own way justin holiday more than mo harkless i know king's fans weren't necessarily sad to see justin holiday go because his stint here in sacramento wasn't the most impressive but i also would have been just fine from a King's perspective of Sacramento holding on to Justin. I believe, like you said earlier, he would have been an NBA role player and would have been a, 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 a very least a contributor for the Sacramento Kings. 
Yeah, I was going to put ask you this as well. I'll kind of put it back to you after I'm, after I give you what I think, and then you can tell me what you think from the Kings side. I haven't seen because I don't, I know looking at the numbers and what he he was not quite the same guy he usually has been with the Kings, which I'm sure left a little bit of a sour taste in Sacramento. But zooming out a little bit, I think that the Hawks are certainly doing this deal with the assumption that Justin Holiday is going to be a rotation wing for them um, and give them a little bit more defensive punch. He's a better defender than Herder is, even with all I've said about Herder. I think Holiday is a better defender than he is. A little bit worse, obviously, offensively, not as good of a shooter, but a willing shooter, a guy who has taken, I don't know, I think he's been taking six or seven threes per per game the last mm-hmm. couple seasons. He's willing to shoot. And I think that they, it's a different organization now, but, you know, I know Tra- Travis Schleich was in Golden State when Holiday was there back in the day, a long, long time ago as the Hawks president of basketball operations. Um, and obviously he was with Atlanta briefly previously. I think that they're really kind of buying, that was part of the emphasis to do this deal. And my understanding is that they know that they can plug and play Justin Holiday. He played for Nate McMillan also in Indiana. Mm. So there's a familiarity there. Um, I think he's the guy that they're more like banking on being a contributor for this season. Not going to start for them. It's obviously going to be Murray and DeAndre Hunter as the two and the three coming in. They also have Bogdanovich. So he's kind of in this fourth wing role, which is probably what he should be in. That's kind of what he probably is at this point. But they definitely think that that's a positive for this season. He's on on that one-year expiring contract. He should help them. Um, As for Harkless, I think it's kind of a throw in to make the money work. But also, the Hawks were in need of a veteran kind of plug-and-play, low-cost, low-usage power forward option in particular. Because even with Collins on the roster – they have a guy named Jalen Johnson, who was their first round pick last year. And I think that he'll he'll probably get that minute, those minutes that Gallinari was playing with the Hawks previously. But having another guy kind of in that Solomon Hill role for Hawks fans. Two years ago it was Solomon Hill, that like veteran just doesn't need a lot of usage. Obviously, he's not a great shooter. Mo Harkless is not a good shooter at this point, but he's a guy who guy who can defend, do the little things, not have to play if he doesn't want to play. And also if they need to flip him to save money. Or get under the luxury tax, they could probably just do that, and it won't it won't kill them. I think he's just he's kind of a throw to make the money work, but also a guy who could be providing some use. Does that sound about right from your side, having watched those guys uh, more than I have the last uh, last few months? Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto, and Rock Auto is fantastic because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models in the car space, it's now impossible for your local chain store to actually carry it all. And even if they actually had what you wanted. Why endure all the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter? All they want to do is sell you what they want to sell you. It's not in your best interest. It's only in their best interest. And honestly, if they had everything perfectly, it would still be easier and cheaper at rockauto.com, either at home or in your pocket. Check out rockauto.com and save time and money. And why spend more, even 100% more, even even more than that sometimes, on the same exact parts from a chance store or dealership. Instead, get it all at rockauto.com for the same exact price. Always, no matter who you are, rockauto.com has been a business to misserving yourself and others for 20 plus years at this point, and the prices are always the same and reliable low for each and every customer. They have everything you possibly need for your car or your truck. That includes tail lamps, brake parts, motor oil, even carpets, and explore their easy-to-use website right now to find solutions to your auto parts needs, and when you get there, this is important when you get to rockauto.com tell them that locked on sent you by writing locked on in the how did you hear about us box and that's very important to help us help us out on the podcast amazing selection reliable low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com yeah i think you're you're bang on with mo harkless in the sense that i think mo every once in a while mo can step up and have good games for you he got a lot of opportunity as a starter when luke walton was still here the problem was he never capitalized as a shooter enough to make that a net positive defensively. He was one of the better defenders on the Kings, which again, isn't saying much, Uh, but he, I think defensively 
Mo Harkless can provide you some solid minutes and with yep. his length and size, his versatility, you can play him at the three, you can play him at the four. So he's not a bad piece to have. Plus he's a hard worker, a good teammate, uh, a good locker room leader. Um, Justin holiday though is, is where I agree with you. The, the, the money is going to be made in this, in this trade. If there's going to be any kind of immediate impact player, it's going to come from Justin holiday. And what's interesting is in, in, in Sacramento, I think Justin played differently than he naturally would and is supposed to like Justin came into Sacramento essentially replaced Buddy Heald as the starting two guard, even though we didn't understand why he was starting over Dante DiVincenzo and Justin embraced the Buddy Heald role in Sacramento, which was okay. Every time the ball is in my hands, I'm going to put it up. <laughs> Anytime I have a good look from the perimeter, I'm going to put it up. And fans were already with bad shot fatigue after Buddy Heald and the years that we dealt with that, with Buddy Heald, but at least every once in a while, Buddy would make some of those bad shots. Justin Holiday couldn't hit the broad side of the barn for a, a lot of the time that he was here in Sacramento. However, I still believe that Justin playing in his role off the bench as a bench defender and then that three and D type score who can who can hit a couple three pointers for you a game. Like I think if Justin Holiday wants to take four three pointers a game off the bench, I have no issue with that. I don't think anybody should yeah. have any issue with that. When he's getting into the six, seven or eight per game territory, you're probably a volume shooter on a bad basketball team, which is what he was in Sacramento. So fans kind of soured on him quickly because he wasn't hitting shots and the the buddy healed fatigue in my mind. But I think Justin Holiday can be a, a an excellent contributor for any team, I think if Atlanta knows how to use him correctly, and you like you mentioned the connection with Nate McMillan, so he's more familiar with him than I, you, or anybody else is in Sacramento. Yeah. So yeah, he'll sure. know how to maximize him, I think, in, in a rotation role. And with a team like Atlanta who likes to shoot the basketball, likes to get up and down the floor, I think Justin can, can if at the very least, fit in and understand how to be effective. Yeah, the Hawks definitely uh, have a, a use for uh, – catch and shoot three and D guy on the wing. You know, he doesn't have to create shots. They have Trey Young. They have Jonathan Murray to do that. They don't really necessarily need him to do that. And even zooming out, obviously this, is, this includes a Sacramento sample, but the last four seasons combined, he's shooting 37% from three on six, almost six attempts per game. Like that's a pretty good shooter. He's not, he's not Kevin Herter. He's not an elite shooter, but if he's open, you want him to shoot it and it'll go in enough to justify it. And for me, the big thing is that they, they wanted one more defensive wing because if you factor in the fact that, you know, Murray is a little bit small at the two, obviously he's a really good point guard defender, but you throw in Bogdanovich, who has lost a step or two defensively in the last couple seasons. Um, they need another guy who can play defense on the wing. And I think that that, that they were always going to acquire that guy some way, somehow. Um, and I think getting Holiday as part of this deal, they don't do this deal if it's not a guy that they, that they think that they, can, they can at least use. Obviously, the first round pick is a nice carrot to get Kevin Herter back and to sort of restock restock that first round cupboard after trading a bunch for for DeJounte Murray. But if they didn't believe that holiday could be a rotation player for them, they don't, they don't do this trade. I don't think so. That's part of the carrot here as well. Well, I don't think they got one wing defender. I think honestly they got two. Like that's oh, yeah. the biggest, that's the biggest strength of Mo Harkless is wing defense. He's just probably not going to provide too much for you on the offensive end. So you can plug in either of those guys at that role. If you need some stops or if you're defending a team with one of those big versatile wings, I think Mo Harkless had some really good moments over the last couple seasons or season and some change with Sacramento defending some of the longer wings that the Kings typically have struggles with. It's just, he was such a net negative on the defense or on the offensive end of the floor that it yeah. didn't justify him getting the minutes that I think the Sacramento Kings wanted to rely on him with 
as that primary wing defender. So I, I understand this trade for both sides. I think it's a definite immediate win for the Sacramento Kings. And I think the Kings are happy to pull the trigger on this deal knowing that. But like we talked about earlier, it's almost like Atlanta is investing in Sacramento. <laughs> they get the opportunity to cash in with a maybe late lottery traffic. Maybe they're even rooting for it to be a 13th pick in 2025 so that it's at least in the lottery. And then Mo Harkless and more Justin Holiday right now can still positively impact the team uh, to to try and get some wins and continue their their playoff push and their build that they're on. And, and I love the DeJounte Murray deal for Atlanta. I was I'm I'm a little concerned or confused with what the San Antonio Spurs are doing. They're going big time yeah. rebuild, which yeah, hey, I'm fine with in the Western Conference. <laughs> one one less team to worry about. But that that pickup I don't think has been talked about. Sure, I'm sure it has in Atlanta by yourself, but nationwide and certainly here in Sacramento. That DeJounte Murray pickup for Atlanta has not been talked about enough. I think that's going to be a massive deal for the Hawks. Yeah, for sure. And I think that justifiably there was a lot of attention paid on the price tag because they they paid a lot. I mean, they yeah. gave up a lot of draft capital over DeJounte Murray. And I, I'm not someone who I was not bashing it, but it's it was my duty, as you well know, to point out the fact that look, this is there's a lot of there's a lot of downside risk here for the Hawks. Yeah. But on the higher side, you're getting a really good, even conservatively, like a, one of the top 40 player in the league, probably. I, I mean, you, you could sort of qualm with him being an all-star this year. He was he was injury replacement, all that stuff. But in the press release, you can include all-star guard Dejounte Murray, and that's a huge thing as well. But yeah, I think that that's going to be huge for them. He helps them offensively. He helps them defensively. He checks all the boxes the Hawks were looking for, and opens up what the trade that we're talking about now. Like this, Kevin Herter deal probably does not happen without Dejounte Murray on the roster. Could the Hawks have traded Kevin Herter without tra- without getting Dejounte Murray? Yes, I think Herter was going to be available, but this particular mm. construction I don't think happens without the Dejounte Murray trade being a part of the sort of process, getting all the way from start to finish, and having the Hawks give that sort of uh, breathing room at the, two, at the two guard spot. And yeah, it's to bring it full circle. I think the fact that what you and I will be probably talking about that first round pick for the next two or three seasons as to whether <laughs> yeah. it conveys because it really is. It's so funny, and I don't mean to boil it down to just that. But if that trade is Holiday Harkless in two seconds for Kevin Herter, it's a heist for the Kings. Yeah. If it's Holiday, if it's if it's Holiday Harkless in a first round pick, it's more appropriate, I think, and even potentially could be a win for uh, for the Hawks just because of what that pick might be. If that, if that pick, like, like you said, is the 13th pick in the draft, that's really good value for what they traded for Kevin Hur. Even as a guy who I am very high, I think people hopefully can notice this on your side of things on Sacramento, but I think Kevin Hur is a good player. I think he's an underrated player. And by the way, that's a good contract. That's a, mm-hmm. especially with the cap going up and the way mm-hmm. that it is to get a starting caliber wing for probably even sub starter money on the current landscape for four seasons. And basically his early to mid prime, that's a really good deal on the surface, which kind of sweetens things for Sacramento's side. So I think it can be a win-win. It really can't. Yeah, it's usually the team that takes the best player in the deal that that is taking more of the risk. In this situation, it feels like the Atlanta Hawks gave up the best player and are also taking the risk with how this pick conveys. <laughs> that is so. the downside for sure. I think, uh, generally speaking, any trade, you want to get the best player, that's one of those old rules. And the Kings are getting the, Kings are getting the best player in the deal. So mm-hmm. if, you want, if you're a Kings fan, that's, that's the solace for you. If you're a Hawks fan... Maybe Holiday helps you on, on defense, and uh, hopefully that first round pick arrives to kind of boost what you what you've given up in the Murray trade. So it's a it's a certainly a, one of those. I'm, I'm not trying to grade it honestly. It's one of those like TBD dra- draft grade kind of. It was just like the least sexy thing you could possibly say on a podcast. It's like okay, can't grade, can't grade this one until 2026, <laughs> but it really is part of that too. 
Well, Sacramento appreciates the investment from Atlanta. I can tell you that much. And we are both rooting for the same thing. We're rooting for the Sacramento Kings to be good enough in 2024. So the Kings happily will send that pick (laughs) Atlanta's way, but we'll have to wait and see Brad. We're always seemingly trade partners in, in, in situations like this. I'm sure at the trade deadline, somehow we'll come together again to talk about some hypothetical deal or hell, maybe an actual deal will go down. Who knows? And I'm still closely following the John Collins sweepstakes. I don't know if the Kings are still interested or not, but Collins seems like he's forever on the trade block. So we'll see what, uh, what happens over there. You of course will have that covered uh, with uh, the, the locked on Hawks podcast. I appreciate you, my man, looking forward to doing this again in the near future. Uh, and we wish you and your Hawks the best of luck this season hopefully i'll see you in in las vegas yeah absolutely i'll be on the scene and uh, enjoy kevin herter a guy that i really enjoyed covering as well a good guy by all accounts i've always liked talking to him and he's fun to watch so uh kings fans are in for, for a treat with him